Hello everyone, I'm Captain Logan and this is Superhero Rewind. Hellboy is a movie I'd plan on putting off until I had the chance to read some of the source material, but since it was Ash W. Gunn's pick after winning the trivia tournament, I had to go ahead and do it and didn't get the chance to read any of the comics. I didn't read any Dark Horse growing up, and I hate to admit it, but I hadn't even heard of Hellboy until the film came out. As I've said before, this greatly affects a review. I may not have been so hard on Spawn if I weren't already a Spawn fan, and I might have been harder on this movie if I was already a Hellboy fan. However, I have read up about the comics, and aside from the fact that Hellboy isn't fireproof in the books like he is in the movie, it looks pretty close to what little I know of the source material. This is the first time I've watched it since I saw it in theaters in 04, and I have to say, I had an entirely different experience with it this time. I can't remember why, but I remember not enjoying it at all. I guess a lot can change in six years. Hellboy is a very good movie, and there are a lot of things it does right that I've been complaining about in other superhero movies. It's a pretty simple story, which is good because it allows time for character exploration instead of wasting time on a convoluted plot, which is an easy pitfall for a film with paranormal and occult themes to fall into. Hellboy is a creature who came through a portal from hell when Nazis tried to awaken an ancient evil in the 1940s. Professor Broom raises him, and instead of becoming an evil demon, he becomes a rough and tough protector of the innocent, at least whenever the innocent are attacked by giant monsters. He's part of a government bureau that deals with paranormal activity, and in this universe, there's a lot of it. The villain plot centers around the evil Rasputin returning to finish what the Nazis started and to use Hellboy to usher in Hell on Earth. I suppose Hellboy is technically a superhero, but the film actually felt a lot more like a pulp monster magazine. I really enjoy the alternate history where everything happens more or less the way it did in real life, except that there are paranormal things always happening in the background. In an early scene, Professor Broom tells Agent Myers that Hitler died in 58. Myers says Hitler died in 1945. Broom just shrugs and says, all right. The production value is fantastic, and I was as impressed with the complex sets as I was with the remarkable prosthetic job on Hellboy and Abe Sapien. Some comic book movies feel like the filmmakers are trying really hard to make the movie uh, look like a comic book, but this one really does look like a comic book. The director obviously has a lot of love and respect for the material. It never takes itself too seriously, but I also believe everything I'm seeing on screen. That's interesting, too, because it's not all explained. I know where Hellboy came from, but what about Liz and Abe Sapien? There's no real explanation for why other supernatural beings exist in this universe. They aren't all tied to ancient mystical evil, and yet, somehow, I didn't mind not knowing. The movie opens with the line, What makes a man a man? And of course, the same line is used at the end to bookend it. This could have been a moral lesson bashed over our heads, like, with great power comes great responsibility, but it's actually done very well. Hellboy is a decent man because he was raised by a decent man, Professor Broom. Until the third act, Broom is always there to remind Hellboy who he is and who he wants to be. Other things, like the stumps he files every day where his horns used to be, remind him of what he could have been, the evil creature he was supposed to be. He fights mindless evil creatures all the time, and that probably reminds him of this as well. And when Broom dies, he has to be strong enough to continue being who he wants to be without a crutch. This is the essence of the story, and it's handled with great care. Hellboy isn't perfect, of course, but he's more likable than someone like Spawn because he isn't a whiner. Oh, sometimes he broods, and sometimes he cocks an attitude when things don't go his way. He throws things when people make him mad, and he doesn't come home when he's supposed to. But what's important is that he always comes out of it. Spawn is a perpetual whiner. In the comics, he can't go two panels without crying about how he'll never see his wife again. Hellboy has lost the woman he loves, 
So he goes and sees her. And I really like that when she gives him the classic, if you care about me, you won't come back here, he leaves and doesn't say another word. He's sad, and you can't blame him, but he's likable because he does what she asks. Love interest is one of those things I think this movie handles better than most superhero films. Why do we give characters like Spider-Man Mary Jane? Doesn't Daredevil and Elektra make more sense? Don't they have more in common? If you were Spider-Man, wouldn't you be able to get along better with someone like Black Cat, since you're both crime fighters, as opposed to Mary Jane, who's just going to sit at home worried about you and can never really understand why you do what you do? Liz and Hellboy make sense, because they're both outcasts. A woman who can't control her ability to set things on fire is a lot more likely to understand someone like Hellboy than the girl next door. What I really don't like, though, is the love triangle in this film. I generally resist those, not because they're always a bad idea, but because they're often forced and awkward, and this one really is no exception. When Liz burns down a mental institution and then comes back to the Bureau, Myers offers to take her out for coffee. It seems like he's just being a nice guy. Not that it's a date or anything, but of course, Hellboy gets offended and is a jerk about it. Then, in what really is kind of a cute scene, Hellboy spies on them on a roof while they're sitting on a park bench. Though I don't like how there's no explanation how he snuck out of the compound without anyone knowing when such a big deal was made at the beginning about him running off. This is where it becomes a love triangle because Myers, although he started out giving her advice about Hellboy, starts making moves. This is pointless and, in my opinion, unnecessary. Liz and Hellboy have some chemistry. They don't get enough screen time together, so not as much as I like, but some. She and Myers have no chemistry, and we've all seen movies like this. We know she and Hellboy will work things out and be together again at the end. Myers should have just helped the two of them patch things up, because it would have made him more likable, and it would have done a lot to strengthen he and Hellboy's relationship. He's brought in to basically babysit Hellboy, and of course, Hellboy doesn't want him there. They're just starting to finally become friends, and then this stupid love triangle is introduced. Worst decision in the film to me. The other thing I don't care for is the length of some of the monster fights. They're well choreographed, the CG is good and integrated, and some of it is really fun to watch, but most of it goes on too long. Like, they're padding a movie that has enough interesting character stuff and it doesn't really need it. I find Abe Sapien fascinating, and I wish some of the screen time was taken away from the monsters and used to give him a real subplot instead of just being the freaky aquatic sidekick. One of my favorite moments comes toward the end between Hellboy and Ancient Manning, played by the always funny Jeffrey Tabor. They've been at each other's throats the whole movie, and then it takes a classic film cliché and turns it on its head. Manning is that guy in these kinds of films who won't let the hero do his job, calls him reckless, and then he turns out to be entirely incompetent. He and Hellboy have to work together now in Russia, and he won't listen to anything Hellboy says. Naturally, of course, he's wrong, and he almost gets killed. Now, if this were another movie, he'd die, and we'd be expected to applaud because he was an idiot and deserved to. But that's not what happens at all. In fact, Hellboy saves his life, and then in the same scene, Manning manages to actually be helpful. Then, in a delightfully nuanced exchange, Manning tells Hellboy to use a wooden lighter on his cigar because it preserves the flavor. Hellboy says, thank you. Then Manning says, thank you. And that's it. They don't become buddy cops or start high-fiving after that. In fact, I don't think they get any more screen time together in the film at all. They hated, they hated each other. Now they've both grown and have respect for each other. And that's how you make your characters both real and sympathetic. 
I also love how Hellboy is made such a complex and interesting character that we almost forget he was born as a demonic creature. In fact, the world around him is treated differently than in other movies like X-Men, where people generally hate or are afraid of what they don't understand. The normal bystanders in this movie just seem curious about Hellboy, to the point where, they are, where there are Silver Age-looking comics about him, which is a really nice touch, and every time someone gets a glimpse of him, they don't run and scream, they just say, hey, you're Hellboy! And yet, the fact that everyone doesn't hate him doesn't make his life any easier. Toward the end, Rasputin seems to have nearly reprogrammed him back into the hell creature he's supposed to be, so he can use his rock arm as the key it's supposed to be and rain hell on Earth. Professor Broom's cross necklace brings him out of it, which I thought was a nice, if not somewhat obvious, symbol. I really like the idea of a hell beast brought up by a Catholic, by the way, and I wish they had taken that idea a little bit further. I would have liked to have seen Hellboy sneak into a church and sit in the back pew or something. I like that he was willing to sacrifice Liz's soul in order to keep his humanity, not because he's selfish, but because he knows what it would mean to the world if he didn't. Of course, it's ultimately not a true sacrifice since she gets her soul back, but I suppose that's fair, even though it doesn't make a great deal of sense. After all, he's sacrificed a lot of his freedom just to live the most normal life he can, and his father gets killed. I suppose he's lost enough. I give Hellboy a 3 out of 4. Too much time is spent on a forced love triangle, and I just got bored with some of the monster fights, but on the whole, I love this movie and can't wait to see the sequel, which I still haven't seen. Join me next time where I'll be looking at the first Spider-Man film from the perspective of what might potentially be done better with a reboot and what they really got right the first time.